What's up, Active Lifers? Welcome back to the Active Life Podcast. I'm Dr. Sean Pastuch. I'm your host. And today, I'm going to be recapping the conversation that I had last week with Gary Gaines, the Global Director of Affiliates for CrossFit, and Austin Maliolo, who is the United States Director of Affiliates for CrossFit. The conversation was one that I actually found to be very refreshing as it pertains to the way that I've heard CrossFit employees who speak on behalf of CrossFit corporate, CrossFit home office, if we're being specific, in the past HQ headquarters speak. Gary and Austin were actually open to answering questions that I was able to ask them that were not the powder puff, here you go, soft questions that they're probably used to getting. And when I say probably, definitely. Uh, This was not an interview that they walked into with all the questions already handed to them ahead of time where they could run them through a publicist. And, and, and they took it. So credit to them for taking those questions. What I want to do today is talk about some of the answers that they provided, what it tells me about the direction that CrossFit is going in, and what that would mean for you if you're interested in either attending a CrossFit gym, working in a CrossFit gym, or owning a CrossFit gym. We're going to cover a few basics. We're not going to go over all of them. We're going to go fairly deep on a few of them. The first thing is the premise that I believe CrossFit is dealing with right now as a company reflects the problem that CrossFit gyms face as small businesses. What that is, is that the gyms, generally speaking, I can speak on behalf of myself having owned three, figure out what they should charge based on nothing. And then they charge that amount for a given amount of time and then find that they can't provide enough value for the amount of money that they are charging and that raising the rates is something that the members in the gym are aggressively opposed to because the value that they are providing within the gym is no longer commensurate to paying more money than what the gym costs today. Let me give you a simple example. And I brought this up on the podcast and I had to simplify it because there were a lot of steps involved. But what I believe happens in the gym is exactly what happens inside of CrossFit right now. You open it up with the intention of doing a great job for a lot of people and you try to charge them a price that you believe is fair for them based on market value that really doesn't exist. You're trying to figure it out as you go along. Then what happens is people sign up with the expectation that they're going to be able to get something out of their enrollment. In the case of a gym, a a physical change to their life. They're going to be healthier. They're going to lose weight. They're going to get more jacked. They're going to be more athletic, whatever you want to call it. In the case of the affiliate, It's I'm opening a gym because I want to make a living owning a CrossFit gym in many cases. CrossFit says, yeah, that can happen. CrossFit gym says, yeah, that can happen. And in some cases, it does. In many cases, it doesn't. And then what happens is people are inside of the gym as a member or inside of the organization as a gym owner, and they realize what I thought was going to happen when I first started this isn't going to happen. And so they decide whether they want to still be a part of it or not. And they look around to their left, to their right, and they see people who they like. They see a community that they resonate with. And so they decide, you know what, even though this isn't what I thought it was going to be, I'm going to stay because I'm enjoying this healthy habit with people who I like. Then the gym owner or CrossFit, the corporation, decide we want to give more value to the people who are paying us. And in order to give more value, we need to charge a better rate, a higher rate. What happens in the gym level is 
they try to add value quickly and then they raise the rates when they're doing it well. Gyms who do it well will make their gym more valuable first and then raise the rates relatively quickly thereafter so they can, can continue to provide that level of value in the moment and going forward while earning profitability and providing the opportunity for careers for staff. CrossFit HQ or home office now is taking a longer path. And I understand why and I think it's respectable. They know that there's a lot of shakeup. It's new ownership and they need to earn the trust of all of the members of their proverbial gym, their CrossFit community, the owners of the affiliates before they start making any major changes. So they're adding value, adding value, adding value, adding value to the best that they know how to do. I believe with the intention of at a date uncertain in the future, changing the pricing model so that they can continue to afford to add value to the service that they offer. I actually think it's a smart idea. The way that they're going about it, I think is well-intended and perhaps could be executed better if I was to provide my two cents. Some simple examples of where I believe they spoke about their execution that, that could be done better begins with what I think is the most valuable thing they've done thus far, which is creating a playbook for affiliate owners. Last year, in 2021, CrossFit released a owner's manual, if you will, for a CrossFit gym that was based on best practices that they had observed from a group of gyms who they pulled together to have conversation around how a gym should run. Now, on the surface, that, that might seem like a good idea. The questions that need to be asked, though, are how did you form the criteria for which gyms get to participate in that. What was the structure with which you had the conversation to ensure that one gym doesn't have, for example, a great front-end offer that is meant to service something down the line? Like, for example, the way that we work with gyms at Active Life is they all start with one-on-one -on -one coaching because we want to set the precedent that one-on-one -on -one coaching is extremely valuable. If they were to come to us and say, so how do you start your members with one-on-one -on -one coaching and the price is this and the profit is this and the pay to the coach is that. If they said, that's great, and then they went to somebody else and they seem to have better retention, how do you retain? Oh, we do this. If their back end doesn't line up with my front end and they adopt both and put them into a playbook, they could be setting gyms up for failure. When you look at the criteria of how they selected those gyms, Unfortunately, I believe that most of the criteria was raise your hand if you're still here. And gyms raised their hand and said, we're still here. And then they looked at them and they wanted to make sure that they identified people across different cultural avatars within the CrossFit community so that they could represent different races, different economic classes. I believe that that is a large part of how they selected the group. They wanted a diverse group of people who have been around for a fairly long time, who have created systems within their gym that they could mold together to build one suggestive system for everybody else. I think on a scale of good, better, and best, this was good. I think that there is a lot of room for better and certainly a lot of room for best. And I don't even think CrossFit staff would disagree with me. So, that's step one at where I think that there were perhaps some opportunities for improvement that they discussed with me, that they're doing better than they've ever done in the past, that, that still lacks some of the teeth that I think are necessary. One of the other areas that they spoke about that I think is critical to what's going on is the way that 
uh, Gary Gaines described their use of the term equity. He used it a lot early on in our conversation. And I asked him, when you describe equity as a term that's important to CrossFit, what does it mean? Is it equity of opportunity? Is it equity of outcome? What exactly does it mean? And he gave me a long-winded answer that ended with him saying, it's, it's synonymous with trust. I'm paraphrasing. Those were not his words. But when I asked him, if I'm understanding you correctly, you're using equity as a stand-in for the word trust. He said, yes, it's trust. My concerns there, and I didn't think that it was the place to dig deep on this podcast, that the, the purpose of this episode was not to discuss CrossFit's political beliefs or, or their social economic beliefs. So I didn't dig any further than that. I left it at, well, to me, that's confusing. And I believe that there's a better way for you to do that than to describe it as equity. But let's move on to the next question. The reason why I said that is because the questions around why use the word then when it's a well understood word that everybody in the world understands is what are you willing to do as an entity to make sure that different groups of people trust you? What values are you willing to sacrifice to ensure that groups of people trust you? What affordances are you prepared to provide to make sure that special groups of people trust you? And I'm not targeting any one group in particular. It's how do you make sure the Jewish community trusts you, the black community, the Hispanic community, the LGBTQ plus community, the Catholic community? How do you make sure that all of these people trust you? Where, where do your values go to make sure that you're earning trust ubiquitously across the board? I think that that's a, a dangerous slope for CrossFit to go down. And I didn't want to have that long-term conversation on the show, but I wanted to express to you why I said that I thought it was confusing and that I thought that the better thing to do would just be to say, we want to earn trust if that's reality. One of the areas where CrossFit and I and active life have a strong disagreement in our ability or excuse me, in our vision for how gyms should operate is in what the development of the coach needs to look like. And I asked Gary and Austin the question on the show, do you believe that the CrossFit level one, which is for those of you who don't know, CrossFit's entry level course to become a CrossFit certificate holder who is allowed to either own a gym or coach in a CrossFit gym. The L1 is the course, it's a two-day-long course, where you earn the right to coach in or own a CrossFit gym. I asked, do you believe it's an efficacious course that allows people to both coach effectively and keep people safe? And that was a question that they elected to defer to the person responsible for coaching, Nicole Carroll. That was a bit of a red flag for me, if I'm being honest. And the reason why it was a bit of a red flag is because if I'm asking them questions about the, um, the nature of affiliation, as the people responsible for affiliation, I believe that coaching is an integral part of that question. It would be like asking somebody teaching you how to open a steakhouse um, if the quality of the steak is important. And they said, we're going to leave that to the ranchers to answer I think that we can agree the quality of the steak is important. Now, how we get to that, 
I think is a question that they can throw to the ranchers who can give more depth. But I do believe that there was opportunity there for a discussion around whether or not the coaching in the gyms is currently effective or is currently problematic. Now, I will share my beliefs around that. Despite the fact that I believe the CrossFit Level 1 is an ineffective, ineffective method by which to help coaches gain the knowledge necessary to be effective in the gym, I do see better movement in CrossFit gyms consistently as a whole than in any other scope methodology of fitness as a whole. So there is something about the L1 certification, about the experience that you have inside of a CrossFit gym that generally speaking elicits more quality movement than anything else that I've seen. They're on to something. The pushback that I would provide to them is that I believe the number one reason why CrossFit gyms in particular are thought of to be dangerous, are thought of to be only for a certain subset of people who need to be fitter before they start is because the coaching in those gyms is generally speaking sub-standard. Just like everywhere else. But I think that if we play the whataboutism game and say, well, we're better than all those other things, then we lead ourselves to saying, I don't think we want to be the best of the ineffective. I think we want to be extremely effective. And that's a place where I believe uh, CrossFit would agree and we would diverge on our beliefs about the effectiveness of the coaches inside of the gyms. My two cents. It also leads me to what Gary spoke to on the show is another place where we disagree strongly. He suggested that he believed people do join CrossFit gyms for the community that exists in CrossFit gyms. My response to that is that I don't think that's the case. I said so much on the show. I believe that CrossFitters who leave a CrossFit gym to join another CrossFit gym are cognizant of the community from gym to gym before they join. I don't believe the average person off of the street cares at all about community when they show up to the gym. I think that they believe this is a place I can get really hard workouts. The people who are in there look like they're really fit and I want to look and feel fit the way that they look and seem to feel. That's why I think people join. That's why when you're having your interviews with new members, they're not saying things to you like, yeah, I'm just looking for a fun place to be with a lot of like-minded people. They're saying, I want to get fit and healthy. That's what they want. That's what I believe they want. And I don't think that you need community to earn word of mouth. It doesn't mean I think community shouldn't be there. It means I believe that if we lead with a culture of efficacy, then we get a community of people who value efficacy. And then when you start to change the programming, when you start to change the pricing, you don't get people revolting because you kicked a member of their community system out. They either decide that they agree with the direction that you're going for the efficacy of their training or they don't. And that's not personal. That's a, that's the way I believe gyms need to start moving. And the more they are community oriented, like the CrossFit affiliates are, the tail begins to wag the dog and CrossFit is unable to raise the rates on the affiliates or even talk about it in a way that says, yeah, when we, get to the point that we feel like we're providing enough value, we do want to raise the rates. They, they can't even say that for the same reason that an affiliate would struggle to say it because they're afraid of the revolt amongst the community. So that's an area that I believe is 
potentially the the number one thing that will hold CrossFit back from being the brand that it could be. Now, who am I to say that? I've never owned a brand that sold for $200 million and maybe never will. We'll see. Um, but that's my two cents. And who are we kidding? The only reason we won't sell for $200 million is because I'm not planning to sell. We're not worth that today, but give us some time. Um, along the lines of community and efficacy, one of the things that CrossFit talked that they didn't want to talk about was whether or not it's reasonable to expect somebody to be able to earn a living owning or working inside of a CrossFit gym. They would like people to be able to do that. And they did say as much as that. And they did talk about the belief that if CrossFit could do the job of helping people become as passionate about business as they are about fitness, that they will then be a very powerful company influencing millions of people's lives. I agree with that. I do agree with that. I think that the reasonable thing for them to be considering right now, however, is, is it likely that somebody who owns a CrossFit affiliate is going to make a living in it? Is it likely that somebody who wants to come work in that affiliate is going to make a living in it? And if the answers to both of those questions are no, then the action that needs to be taken is perhaps more radical and more um, significant than the actions that they're taking. I believe that every day that goes by that somebody who owns a successful CrossFit gym is faced with asking themselves, how do I reconcile being thought of as the same as the gym in my town that doesn't take this seriously with the same name on it as mine? The longer that that question has to be asked, the more CrossFit is going to find their most successful affiliate owners dropping the name and after they drop the name, I believe that is, that is the first brick to fall in those people deciding to drop the affiliate fee. And once they've dropped the affiliate fee, those people are no longer CrossFit, regardless of what they practice inside of the gym. And there is certainly an argument to be made, and I've heard it made, that it's almost like penance in religion. CrossFit, the methodology and the brand afforded you the opportunity to open this business and they only charged you $3,000 a year for it or 500 wherever you were when you signed up. You owe them at least that $3,000 or $500 a year for the rest of your life for that gift that they gave you. I've heard that argument made not by CrossFit. So I want to absolve them of that responsibility. And I think it's a horseshit argument. I think that as soon as the what have you done for me lately value is less than the what do I owe you lately value is lower, people are going to stop paying for it. They're going to stop identifying as it. And I think that when I enrolled as a CrossFit gym for the first time in 2011, there was never a thought in my mind about being called anything except CrossFit and then whatever we came up with after that. But it was CrossFit. I am a CrossFit gym. Now, people who've been a CrossFit gym for years, a decade, have dropped the name CrossFit from their gym's branding. Now, you might argue, well, they're still paying the affiliate fee, so what's the difference? It's the first step. 
it's the first step to people saying, people don't trust this name. Which goes back to what Gary talked about, which is their number one responsibility is earning trust. The question is whose trust and how do you earn it? What are you prepared to do to earn trust? Who are you prepared to lose along the way to earn the trust of who you want to keep? And who do you want to keep? It needs to be clear who you want to keep. Because I believe that what's happening right now, what we are seeing happen right now, is Eric Rosa, the new CEO and minority owner of CrossFit, purchased a brand that has now told them since they fired Dave Castro, who was the director of sport for CrossFit, but he was more than that. He also led all the education at CrossFit. And he was a bit of, for those of you who don't know, he's a bit of a, a polarizing cult figure who everyone pretended to hate publicly, who many people liked behind the scenes, but um, he was certainly a type, is certainly a type. He seems to represent CrossFit past. And he doesn't seem to represent CrossFit future. And I believe what CrossFit is experiencing right now is many people saying, I identify more with Dave Castro than I identify with Eric Rosa, the new CEO, Gary Gaines, the global affiliate director, or Austin Maliolo, the United States affiliate director. And you just told Dave Castro that there's no place in this business for him. What does that mean about my place in this community long-term? If there's no place for Dave, what does it mean about my place? Because I relate more to Dave than I do to you. I want to be clear. That was not me talking about me, Sean Pastuch. That was me talking about what I believe CrossFit is hearing right now from most affiliates on Instagram, on Facebook, and probably in their email. I see what they're trying to do. I believe they are trying to professionalize. I believe they are trying to standardize. I believe they are trying to create some consistency from gym to gym, both in their experience with home office and the experience that the members going to have when they show up at the gym. I believe that they need to stop tiptoeing about it. I believe that they are trying to be all things to all people at the same time instead of being what they always were that made them so attractive, which is who they are without apologizing for it. Even if that means some of the people who used to fit don't. That is what we teach gyms to do at Active Life. It's what we teach coaches to do at Active Life. And it's what we do ourselves at Active Life every day. And I understand why a larger corporation like CrossFit would be afraid to do it also. It's scary. You lose people who were on the boat. That means you lose revenue. And it means that you have to hold all that together while you're building the new version of it. And that's hard. But I also think it's how you earn and keep the very trust that Gary talked about on the podcast. And I think that that is the path forward for CrossFit. I think that they something that is great that is not what we do at Active Life. I believe that what CrossFit does extremely well is they help people maximize their physical expression inside of a gym. What we do at Active Life is help people reclaim their physical freedom and their sense of autonomy and self-reliance. 
Those are two very different things. CrossFit can be very successful and active life can be very successful. I want CrossFit to be successful and I want active life to be successful. What I just shared with you are the areas where I believe from the podcast that I did with Gary in Austin last week. CrossFit needs to make changes in order to make that a reality. Those are my two cents. And that's our show for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Active Life Podcast. Remember, if you feel inspired by our vision to humanize the healthcare industry, professionalize the fitness industry, and empower individuals to live their lives, to reclaim their physical freedom, to develop careers, helping people reclaim their physical freedom, all you need to do is head to activelifeprofessional.com Find the appropriate link that represents you and get in contact. We'll see you there.